All right, and I'm joined today with Sam Pilnick, uh, a ranger, composer, uh, Chicagoian, uh, tenor saxophone. I mean, man, it's what is going on? You got this new album coming out this Friday, uh, July 9th, the Sam Pilnick's Nonette Project, the Adler Suite. Uh, man, this is killing stuff. Like, it's not easy writing for that kind of an ensemble, too. Yeah, I mean, thanks for having me, first of all. And thanks for everything you and Nick and everyone's done for promoting this project and putting it out in the world. It's been a very long few years, it seems like, uh, with one year that didn't necessarily count. But um, yeah, it's a great ensemble. I think, you know, it's finding finding some ways to experiment with this with this format and this concept um, in terms of writing and arranging and, and being, um, what's the word I'm looking for? being intentional with with the writing you know i think sometimes you know i don't necessarily write for big band but you can have some big band people who like oh i have so many people and so many of this i gotta do this and this and that and for me to having the smaller on the smaller but bigger ensemble kind of gives me some opportunities to kind of be intentional and, and picky with who i want to play what and when um you know, I'm a big fan of Lucas Pinos. I know he's uh, an outside music artist and he's a friend of mine. And, and like, you know, listening to his on his nonet has been a big inspiration for me. Uh, Joe Lovano's nonet, you know, even listening to big band music, Maria Schneider, Thad Jones, uh, Bob Brookmeyer, you kind of name it and just trying to get a lot of those situations, but in a smaller context. Um, yeah, it's a fun album. It's a fun group to play with. It's cool to like have been having this go on for a few years, even though it's like the first formal release of music. Um, but everyone in the band is super killing. It's all mostly contemporaries just met in Chicago, a lot of transplants to Chicago. Um, we've been from all over the country and stuff. So it's, it's a good opportunity. It's good, some good music. I, I'm pretty happy with it. And I mean, I'm really excited to perform it, uh, on Thursday and, and then play it and then have it out into the world for everybody on Friday, finally. And where is your show Thursday? Yes, yeah, this place called the Fulton Street Collective. It's this great arts um, art loft. So he, there's a lot of artists, art studios, and they have this really large, maybe two, two and a half story uh, brick room um, where there's live painting going on. There's an art gallery in the space. Um, they've been really supportive to Chicago musicians in the last year and a half. I mean, they've been doing live stream concerts for most of the pandemic, and it'll be nice to actually play for some people, uh, you know, not just the not just the YouTube crowd. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it'd be a nice, hopefully, a nice audience in person, and then the streaming. You know, you can get it to, get it to anybody. I have a lot of family in New York and in Florida, and some some people all over the country. So it'll be hopefully people can tune in and check that out. Man, that's that's killing. I know it's definitely. Um... I don't know, exciting to play for real people again and whatnot, especially when it's something like this, you know, that you've put so much time and energy and, and everything to. Um, but man, how, again, like the non-at, right? Because to me, like a non-at writing is like, well, kind of what you described, you know, you don't have an, as much things as a big band, but like, I got to put in more of an effort than just like a line and a counter melody there, you know, mm -hmm. how do you, do you like it? Like it, in some respect, it's almost reminds me of like, you know, super modern stuff, but then also like really, really old things where like every instrument kind of has their specific role and you're so um, exposed, mm -hmm. you know, and it and allows a lot of times for 
uh, as you know, different counterpoints and different melodies to go through it. But also like when you're playing in unison, like it's still super exposed. So how did you kind of get into that? Cause that's kind of been like a, uh, a reoccurring theme, I guess you could say for you, like that is your band and that is like what you want to go with. Yeah. I mean, it's just like finding the melodies and, and, and having specific people to write for, you know, like I thought about Max Possessin on alto saxophone, knowing he's going to play those parts on the record and trying to find and trying to highlight those individual voices or specifically like the Barry player or, you know, the trumpet player, there's a trumpet feature on the album. I've known Emily for a few years now and knowing her voice and her style and giving her a chance to really blow and, and be creative and expressive in a larger formatted ensemble. You know, you know, there's a yeah. lot of classic like trumpet solo with big band, you know, obviously Thad Jones. I'm thinking like Maria Schneider has a great arrangement of my ideal. I think that's a flugel feature, trumpet feature. You know, I think just, and I, I think for the listeners too, that maybe we should explain what this album actually is. The Adler Planet, Adler Suite is based on the Adler Planetarium in uh, downtown Chicago. It's part of the museum campus. So there's, there's a planet, there's the planetarium. There's the aquarium, and then there's like the famous Field Museum, all across from Soldier Field, where the Bears and the Chicago Fire play, and many famous, you know, rock act, rock acts and whatever. So, I would go on trips as a school teacher, just kind of my friend would be like, "Hey, you want a kind of a free day off and go to the, go on this field trip with us?" And then just kind of right away, just being kind of intrigued with everything that was there and in there and. You know, I'm also like growing up, I remember going to other planetariums and, you know, the Morgan Freeman on the, on the IMAX and just being like, yeah, is there anybody out there? And I don't know, that always kind of like was really attractive to me. And, you know, and just being like, oh, I think I can write about a lot of the different concepts that are at in the planetarium, space concepts. And so using the ensemble as like to kind of highlight those things. And I mean, a lot of things are specific items in space. So being, being really wide, but also being really narrow. Um, just like you look out in the sky, you know, you can look at the whole sky and then, but you can look at individual planets or individual, um, star systems or, you know, just the concept of space to begin with and, and time and, and light and stuff. So I think, I think trying to put really pin together ideas and, 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 and have interesting pairings. You know, I'm always a big fan of even like the Duke Ellington thing where you flip a lot of the, the voices up, up on, its, on, its, on its head. So maybe the Barry's more higher than the alto. You know, you know, classic kind of big band arranging. But again, more in that small thing and, and having players who are confident to have their voice be heard within that small, large ensemble. Man, and that's killing because, I don't know... Uh, I think your, your stuff, like, obviously the playing is great, you know, like you wouldn't have released it if it wasn't great, but there's the, um, like compositionally, it's so intriguing to me as like a, another musician or whatnot, because I don't know about for you, but for me, writing something that's like in reference to a specific thing is really, really difficult because it's one of those things where like, you can go ahead and like, I can title a song, the red fire truck you know, but like, how does it actually relate to a fire truck, you know? And sure. so when you're going through this and you decided like, man, it would be great to write uh, something about the Adler planetarium, you know, and you're going through the songs, like even past that step of just picking what you're going to write about. How are you trying to making sure that like the music relates back to it? You know, I'm thinking of like, uh, like Duke Ellington does this really, really well with a lot of songs. And it's like, you can hear like 
the mockingbird in mm-hmm. sunset of a mockingbird what i'm like how were you finding yourself relating back to it and what like compositional motifs or ideas did you think we're relating back to stuff. If you have like specific examples in mind. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think a good example of that is, well, there's two, I guess the, the single that we put out a few weeks ago, revolving twins is about two stars that orbit each other. And because they're stars and they're fluid and they're well, gaseous and fluid, whatever, you know, get told, sorry for all the space nerds out Neil deGrasse Tyson, if you're listening, but, um, (laughs) Eventually, I w- when I was there, somebody was explaining that they have these models, you know, they speed them up, that they rotate around each other, and then eventually they come in, and the energy is so unstable that they explode. So the mm. concept of these single-line motives that are kind of uneven, they give that feeling, and then adding other lines that kind of contrapuntally go through it, maybe are shorter than the other line, intercede the other line. You know, almost like, I wrote it almost like as a piano player, so you can get a few hands in there, and then, okay, let me expand this into two pairs of two using the guitar, obviously with five horns, you know, having the guitar as a line also, and then trying to like figure out, okay, let's have that speed, let's have that rotate, and it's rotating and it's spinning and it's combining, and then at the solo section, ideally, it's like more the explosion. And then afterwards, the theme comes back, but it's still lighter, it's, it tends to be a little bit gentler. Those themes are still there, but it's like, oh, now it's exploded and now everything's kind of existing where two planets or two stars were circling each other for many millions of years, essentially. So that's one example. The other one is the first tune I actually wrote for this uh, suite before I kind of knew it was actually going to be a suite is they have the original Gemini 11 module in the planetarium. Wow. So. I mean, that thing, your iPhone has more technology than that device that went to space and back. And so like looking at it, you know, you know, you just kind of think, okay, what's the first, what's the first thematic idea that comes to my head while I'm thinking about this? You know, they're falling back and the piece about it's called falling backwards. So in two folds, it's partially, it's like very cinematic where it's like, oh, whoa, we're falling back. And imagine like slow-mo in a movie. And it's falling backwards and you're kind of like observing. And then all of a sudden you just come snap to reality and oh oh boy, I'm falling really fast in a in a in a in a what of a metal object racing down the earth. And those juxtapositions of almost like in a cinematic nature of literally falling back in a pod with less technology than your iPhone. And trying to write and have concepts like that where there's jarring, I mean it's like you know, jarring time signatures. It goes from seven, seven, eight to three, four. And then in the the kind of the send off is between the soloists and out is like this jarring seven, eight lines where you're playing on different parts of seven and these kind of really dense kind of chordal stuff on top of it. So are these hits essentially. So, you know, trying to kind of come up with a concept on a concept, just like you would like, well, like just like you might suss out or flush out a, like a script. Right. You know, I, I have this. I was actually listening today. Uh, it was um, Steve Martin talking about this play he adapted. And it's like, I only listened to it briefly, but it's like, you know, you kind of have to, you can have the bare bones of it, but then you have to adapt and analyze it to your own way. And it's taking an idea and then kind of transforming it throughout. And then it's like the final project. But it takes a while. And then that piece we wrote, I wrote almost four years ago. It seems a little bit crazy. We premiered it four years, three or four years ago at the green mill here in Chicago. So 
That's the long way. <laughs> Long-winded answer, of course. But man, it's it's wild to think about because not even just a music perspective, you know, just thinking about space. And everyone's like, space is obviously the most technologically advanced thing we've ever done. And it's like, okay, how do they get back to Earth? Well, at the most simplest system, they fall. You know, they fall and then hopefully fall safely and slowly. And it's just it's 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 wild to think about like all the science and the research that goes into that. And at the end of the day, it's just like gravity. That's, Basically. that's what we're relying to. Yeah. But I've been trying to make it musical, you know, and trying to find like little musical bits about it. Like, you know, you could look at it and see something else about it. Maybe the tech, I'm just, you know, the technology yeah. aspect of it and, and, and whatever. I just decided in that moment to kind of create this, this narrative essentially in this, and this little story that kind of go, well, which, which goes along with the reality. It's not, un, you know, it's definitely uh, nonfiction, but then kind of creating something that I can latch onto. So when I'm, you know, it's not just the melody, it's not just right. the counter melody. It's not just whatever. Oh, when you listen to it, I hear this or I hear that. My, my grandmother listened to the album. She got an early listen to it. And she always calls me when she listens to my music and gives me her critique. And she's very honest about it. She kind of got me. She's not really a musician, but she kind of got me. She did a lot of younger, taught, taught a lot of younger children like a long time ago and got me involved in piano and music in general. And so she always gives me her like very unadulterated view of what she thinks about the music. <laughs> and she could tell on some things like she heard like Expanding Universe, which is a thing at the, at the planetarium where they, you start on Earth and it slowly draws back and then you're... In the, and then you're in the solar system and then you see the Milky Way and just keeps going back and back and back and back. And that kind of that expansion of, you know, from the Big Bang. And I, when I mentioned, she's like, yeah, I could hear that. And that's what I kind of thought it was about. So trying to be, you know, as programmatic as possible without being too hokey or corny in a way, but also just, creating, creating ideas and creating like a, a sense of identity and mood and, and thematic material based on something that's, just objects or concepts yeah which is nice because not to say that there's anything bad when people put together albums that are like just tunes or whatever originals or whatnot there there is something different about having an album that's more programmatic and and it's it's thought of on a bigger picture and how everything relates to one another you know um i don't know i think one of the things that is a little uh fun nod if you will is in the opening track, I think it's the opening track, at least you kind of reference the infamous space melody, you know, you think of space and you're like, here is this one, you know, how did you, was that something that like you also kind of caught on to? You're like, well, if I'm going to do an album about space, like this, this needs to be, this needs to be somewhere, you know? Yeah. Maybe a little bit more, um, like in my, what is it? In my, like un unconsciously just thinking like, Knowing that theme, yeah, I think I would say yeah, you know. And then, but I didn't want to like, but I wanted to kind of write other melodies underneath it and build up to it because so that yeah. one is in the the open. So actually, talking about the other, we just talked about falling backwards, and you're talking about the first tune called Squawk Box. Those two tunes, I think, I also treated this whole concept as like a big circle, you know. So Squawk Box is about a literally a one way radio where in the 60s, families in the Houston area would listen about 
you know, and they'd watch on TV, which, you know, it's not TV as we know today. And they would, I guess there was like direct radio from Houston if there was a problem or anything. And there's a bit in the planetarium about NASA and there's literally an armchair and a little table and a replica of this one-way radio. And I sat in that chair for many an hour just typing on my computer, composing, and people are walking around like looking at me. They're looking at the things. I'm just <laughs> like, oh, just excuse me. And, you know, and that coming up and going into space, dealing with the various concepts of space, but also, you know, whatever. And then coming back to what we just talked about, the falling backwards. Okay, now we're back on Earth. Because even though even all that Jeff Bezos money, he's we're gonna have to come back probably at right, some point. Right. So or Elon Musk or whatever. So, you know, just you know, nodding at that kind of unintentionally, but and then developing lines under it, because like again, coming up with a programmatic concept to something that's they walked out to there, they went to space. I mean, that's cool, but can I make, can I like, how can I make it more, like an how experience. can I build a, yeah. an experience or a story about it? You know, thinking about you're one of the first men to go to space. Like that must be scary, you know, seeing stuff going off, seeing experiments, training for many months in, you know, being submerged underwater or put in those gyroscope things and who knows what they were doing to train. I'm not clearly not an astronaut, but, um, but you know, again, but creating an experience and creating up some motive and creating like, cause I think with these things, like you have, there has to be some kind of under, like in a larger project like this, there needs to be some kind of through line. I and mean, I've done a number of projects at this in graduate school. We wrote about some of the environment stuff. So that was the underlying theme. Um, when I, I also wrote, I kind of did a modern dance. I call it a ballet. But modern dance thing, it was based on our friend's poetry. So that's the underlying thing that always connects to the narrative. And even poetry or, or the environment, you know, writing about a tree is one thing, but writing about a, the willow tree that's been on your family's property and used to hang out, you know, you can make up stories to, to, to create through lines and narrative and exposition and whatever to that your music can go to and still have it have a solo in there and still have it maybe swing or or whatever yeah. you know and I, and I have my own music and i was actually talking about this with somebody today it's like you know i've definitely have a music that i've written and little eps that are just tune based but and that's cool and but the, and even for the non-net we have a whole we have a whole book of tunes that are just tunes but I think this suite for me has just been so fun to write and explore and and put out there and, and just to kind of try different things. Not, not just have it be like, okay, five part voices and it's going to swing and it's going to be kind of melody solo shout chorus. I mean, we have that. We have one tune, but it's not the whole album. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with those. I love that stuff. But, you know, to try and really incorporate other genres and other styles that are to me you know i grew up listening to a lot of rock and roll music my mom would always work and drive with the not with the, the classic rock stations on and she knew all the words but didn't know all the bands <laughs> and so i i never got to play that music being a, a saxophone player but i still love it and a lot of that kind of stuff has infiltrated my writing like the rock band i never got to be in in, <laughs> in high school because i played saxophone right or i wanted right, to play right. tunes and stuff so so, you know, we've talked a lot of compositionally about it and, and how you've kind of kept these themes going. Do you think that, um, and I'm sure more so maybe you than, than some of the others because they're, you know, they're your, they're your babies or whatnot. But when you, it came time to, to solo over the tune, do you still think you kept these concepts in mind? 
you know, because like, as we talk about this stuff with teaching kids, it's like, man, well reference the melody, you know, like if you're playing over, if I were a bell, make the melody sound like you're playing over. If I were a bell, not Nardis or something, you know, like how, like you think about like falling backwards and whatnot, was this something that like, when you then got to the time to play, you're like, man, how can I, you know, pay tribute to that concept in my solo? And how, how was that working with, if you did, you know, cause I'm sure it's something that's like, okay, first off, let me play the changes. Now let me not suck in my instrument. Now let me make it something interesting, but then also make it something interesting within this other constraint, you know, like. I'm still trying to do that. I'm trying to all, all of that <laughs> on top of it. No, I think, you know, you got like, cause each song has its own particular vibe. And I think, you know, trying to play within the, within the feeling. And like, I mean, the rhythm section or some friends I went to graduate school with and we've done, and then even the bass player with all of us, we've done like a little EP of sorts. So I've played with these people and in, 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 or even in the guitar players that I've played with. So I think, you know, it's kind of comes with the territory of like being appropriate for the tune we're playing. And I don't, I don't necessarily think I think about, the concepts, maybe I will as I re- in the rehearsal today. It's going to be an interesting re- rehearsal after not playing this music for a year and a half. But, but I think like, you know, just fitting into the situation the best that I can, and and, and trying to solo over the like be appropriate with the grooves of the particular songs and to play appropriately in those styles. I mean, my teacher, my, I studied with Andrew Rathbun at Western Michigan University, a great tenor player, great composer. And he always talked about like, come up with a vibe that you would want to solo over, even if you're not soloing on it. And, you know, trying to fit myself within that context, you know, and I also don't solo on every tune on the record, which I think is different than maybe somebody else's featured music. Um, which is all good. You know, I, I have a great ensemble and, but also as the composer and the arranger, it's like, is a tenor solo appropriate for this tune? Right. And sometimes it's not. And I, I'm would love, I have some great soloists in the band. Like I said, I said, Emily Kuhn has a great trumpet feature on, on silver light. Max possession sounds great on, um, House of the Massives. I mean, Ted Hogarth on bass takes a bass clarinet solo on the opener. Sounds amazing. I got a great trombone player on Falling Backwards. You and Edmonds, a great Chicago trombone player. So just to kind of, you know, feature them. And again, I, I, I definitely solo here and there. But I just also as the arranger and trying to be intentional with the music, like does this do, would a tenor solo be appropriate here? Right. Or me take and particularly me taking a tenor solo you know, versus like Max playing an alto solo or you and playing a trombone solo, like trying to really fit things in there and be like, again, just continue to be intentional as much as I can with, with every aspect of the album and every aspect of every tune. And that's like, I don't want to, it's, that's a mature thing to do, you know, like it's, and it's tough to do too. Because I think uh, often people will be like, the knee-jerk response is like, oh, it's your tune. Blow over your tune. Like, you're the one that knows your tune best. Like, you're the one that would blow over it the best. Like, this is your tune. But sometimes it's like you write stuff and it's like, I just don't, I just don't think I'm fit. Like, this isn't meant for me, especially when you're writing for like a band. Like, you're in your case, you know, like it's a little bit more, as you mentioned earlier, thought out for specific people. It's not just like, 
here's a quintet there's trumpet saxophone and a rhythm section you know like it's yeah. it's like there's a band of of people and those people play in certain ways you know not everyone is just like a copy of sam pilnick on trombone or whatever you know like there's... Don't, we, don't, we don't need that but um <laughs> no and i also think like you know i mean i met most of the people in the band from going to jam sessions and it's like well also what's a good way to like play with multiple people and play in a like a small big band like and that nanette for me is perfect because again like i can stretch and write for people and not necessarily feel guilty and like oh you don't get a solo on anything per se and don't get me wrong i mean if you come to the show on thursday second set it's there are you know it's more tunes it's we're gonna play the whole album down the first set second set we're gonna just play some of the originals and i'm looking at figuring out who's gonna solo i'm just like oh perfect for this solo too and so and you know and it's you know i don't know i pick really creative people to play and i you know thankfully they want to play my music which is always a thing too you always get nervous like making sure that the other people want to play on it and and maybe give up other opportunities to play and maybe not make a lot of money playing creative music right um but trying to again be mature in that and don't, don't get me wrong like i there are tunes where i just blow on it and it's a blowing tune but i think for the for the adler suite you know i didn't i didn't think that was appropriate to be more thought out and again going you know thinking about the people i said who i've been inspired by you know maria schneider's music not a ton of solo a lot more through com through composed stuff i mean Darcy bob brookmeyer bob brookmeyer you know you know obviously he wrote a lot for the vanguard everyone's amazing you know it's you know when you write sweet for rich or song for rich okay rich perry duh like he's in a solo and that's it but when you write or you know you do that skylark arrangement and it's like a dick oats feature and it's beautiful you know that's cool but then there's other tunes where it's like okay well op it's monday night let's open it up and whoever can blow on it at the vanguard great and, and i think that's the intention about it like being intentional like some of the tunes don't need 500 soloists and stuff right and and i'm okay with you know and and again i also know my place in the in and i know my abilities and i'm aware of i'm aware of the scene and i'm aware of like the a lot of different things and you know as an audience member too it's like yes you're here to see my band and my music but like do you really want to hear me blow on every tune not i don't think i would necessarily want to hear myself blow on every tune per se and i think also you have to think about the audience as well it's like this is going to be better holistically for what yeah. we're going for yeah man well i don't i know i've heard it i know you've heard it i know others have heard it select members but it's it's a really killing album and i think people are really going to enjoy it coming out friday and and before we sign off here what's the details for that show again thursday yeah it's uh, on the fulton street collective um you can pre-order tickets if you're in chicago in person or online uh you can go onto my instagram it's at uh the sam pilnick project or you can go to the fulton street collective i believe they are on they're on every social media and they have their own website you can get um there's some donations on there i know it's a free link to get on youtube um, and then there's like a, a tip jar, a virtual tip jar would be is always appreciated. Um, and then, like I said, we're doing an in-person concert. There's limited seating, maybe about 40 seats at the Fulton Street in the in the West Town in Chicago, if you're around. And hopefully maybe there'll be some more pre presentations of the music this summer uh, to be determined. <laughs> Killing. Well, man, thank you again so much for coming on. And to everyone listening, you know, that show Thursday, Friday, out everywhere i mean these are 
uh, Spotify, Tidal, a- Apple Music, Amazon, all of the places will be the music. Um, the Adler Suite with Sam Pilnick and his writing. And, uh, you know, congratulations. I know it's it's been so long and we're finally almost there. We're finally almost that last, there. That last uh, sprint to the finish line. Yeah, man. Well, it was great talking and uh, we look forward to hearing it.